it's a very heterogeneous space, right? I mean, there's a lot of innovation going on. And when you have a lot of innovation, there's a lot of different ways of solving problems. And so there's inherent complexity. And so it's um, really requires a lot of companies working together. Sometimes I say it's a team sport, I've heard that phrase before. And uh, you really need to figure out how to have all of the companies that you're working with in partnership uh, help the customer solve their problem. Welcome to We Talk IoT, a regular series of podcasts from the editors of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. This podcast is brought to you by Avnet Silica in cooperation with Microsoft. Hi, I'm Tim Cole, the editor-in-chief of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. IoT continues to shape our lives in a world that is transforming, often in some pretty confusing and unexpected ways. So it's comforting to know that somebody, at least, knows which direction we're heading and what steps to take. One of them is Pete Bernard of Microsoft. His official title is, quote, Senior Director, Silicon and Telecom, Asia Edge Devices, Platform and Services. That's sure a mouthful, Pete. Can you tell our listeners in one sentence or less what your job at Microsoft really is? Yes. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yes, like with all good titles at Microsoft, they're extremely long. But yeah, what I do and the team does uh, is, you know, we work with silicon and telcos uh, in the industry to help them build and connect really interesting things to Azure. Uh, and we do that in service of our customers that are trying to use the cloud and the edge to solve some really challenging uh, business problems. And so uh, that's that's essentially what I'm doing. I understand you used to host your own podcast, The IoT Unicorn, where you discussed various visions of the future with thought leaders in the field and what IoT can do to shape it. What were your key takeaways? Well, I think one of the things was uh, in talking to all these different folks about it uh, was that the it's a very heterogeneous space. Right. I mean, there's a lot of innovation going on. And when you have a lot of innovation, there's a lot of different ways of solving problems. And so there's inherent complexity. And so it's um, really requires a lot of companies working together. Sometimes I say it's a team sport for that phrase before. And uh, you really need to figure out how to have all of the companies that you're working with in partnership uh, help the customers solve their problems. So that was probably the biggest takeaway. It's not it's not a winner take all type of market. It's not a homogeneous market. There's just lots of great tech coming out every day and you have to figure out how to partner wisely. Doesn't all this complexity scare people away? Well, it's uh, that's part of the job of some of the providers like ourselves and other partners is to help cut customers kind of uh, cut through some of the complexity. Uh, and quite often, I mean, we work with Fortune 500 customers. I think it's something like 95% of the Fortune 500 run their business on Azure and they come to us and say, well, we'd like to solve these problems. And we try to help them uh, say, well, here's a, here's a few different ways that you could do it and try to uh, partner them up appropriately and, uh, and solve that problem. So I think some of the best companies, most successful in the space are able to really think in terms of the customer perspective and the problems they're trying to solve. IoT is essentially about tech, but I understand you think that business leadership is more important. You interviewed uh, Lou Lutostansky of Avnet for your podcast, and both of you seem to agree that once you know what your intended business outcome is, the tech will follow. Could you explain? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the, you know, customer centricity uh, or customer obsession that we have is that if you know the problems you're trying to solve, which are business problems, then 
you know, the, 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 the right tech will sort of you know, make itself available to you or, or become self-evident kind of the tech that you need. I mean, one of the problems we do see sometimes is that, uh, you know, customers or partners kind of get involved in the tech first and they think, oh, this is fantastic technology, which it is. But unless it's solving a problem for someone and a business, it's, it's, you know, maybe not as useful. So I think that's really part of it is you can't go into it in a purely engineering level. You really have to think from a business perspective as well as what are you trying to get done? And then that helps kind of align what tech really is needed. Well, I've been around the block a couple of times myself. And uh, one of the things that I learned is that it's very difficult to get business and IT to actually talk to each other. What's your secret? Well, you have to also understand, you know, the perspective of IT and OT and kind of the challenges that they have around security and deployment and manageability. And so whatever solution you're going to come up with needs to needs to work for them as well. Right. So. We definitely take a lot of different perspectives of people in the organization uh, when we're working with commercial partners. And one of the things that Microsoft's done over the years is invested a lot in security and manageability and all those things to make IT's jobs hopefully a little easier. So uh, there are always a number of stakeholders in any of these types of solutions, especially in the IoT space. And um, you know, you really need to be able to take their perspective as well. Of course, nowadays, IoT is becoming more and more enmeshed with artificial intelligence. Where does AI create most value in IoT? Yeah, it's a good question. It's almost becoming intertwined. I mean, the ability to take data, you know, sort of first-gen IoT is really just taking data and, and bringing that into a system and acting on it. But um, now we're seeing so much data coming in uh, over much more enhanced pipes like uh, LPWA and 5G and uh, Wi-Fi 6 and uh, the edge uh, silicon is becoming much more sophisticated. So there's just a ton of data coming in. And really, you want to make sense of that data and in a way that can learn and, uh, and evolve, really. And using systems like AI, whether those cloud-based AI on some of the big data that's coming up to Azure or edge AI, uh, is really kind of a critical part of the whole solution these days. What is edge AI exactly? Yeah, so think about it as, uh, you know, you're running AI workloads or an AI model that could distinguish um, one object from another, for example, in an AI vision model that could be run in the cloud on a video that's uploaded. Uh, or you could actually have that AI model running in the camera itself or a gateway connected to a camera. And as that imagery and that video stream is coming in, um, you know, you could run an AI model to do detection of uh you know, is there a you know, person crossing a boundary, a security boundary, or is there a car coming by, or et cetera and so forth. So you're just running the AI workload on the edge device, the device that's kind of in the real world as opposed to running it in the cloud. Can you scale AI, and if so, how? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mentioned before that the world is uh, very complex and very heterogeneous, and that's exciting because so many people are doing new things. But at the same time, customers need to solve problems and they can't take you know two or three years to do it. So scaling is one of the things that Microsoft does really well. We're trying to put the right tools, tool chains and uh, environments in place to give developers kind of a consistent developer fabric. So that kind of regardless of what the edge device is, they have a pretty consistent development environment and framework to connect things together and to, to do the right business logic on that. So I think part of it is, um, I think customers that have technology need to think about how they can scale, how they can plug into bigger systems and bigger standards. And then, then you'll get developers to be able to, you know, take these pieces of tech and put them together rather quickly uh, and then get to market. And who are the responsible AI principles within a typical organization? Yeah, so um, 
I think AI principles, I mean, usually AI is used as part of a solution. So, you know, the stakeholders would include obviously the business owner who's trying to solve the problem, but then you've got people that need to, uh, like the CISO managing security for the organization, the, you know, CTO, uh, the IT, uh, you know, executives that need to understand how to manage this uh, system. So once you get something up and running and deploy it, how are you going to update it and keep it secure and, uh, and up to date and then anyone who's operating it so you got people that are operating a system that it's that once it's up and running and uh is it is there a ui and some you know we have uh, something called power platform that enables people to build some pretty nice dashboards and control panels for some of these systems so you've got a few of those stakeholders and that's part of what you know you need to do when you design a system is really understand all the stakeholders that'll be using it or benefiting from it uh, as you go through the process is there a case to be made for wider adoption of autonomous operations? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it kind of happening on a daily basis, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, I think a lot, there's been a lot of acceleration in uh, technology adoption. People that have been sort of experimenting have really had to go to much more of a deployed solution around autonomous systems. And, you know, whether it's simple as like curbside pickup, you know, things like that, uh, to more sophisticated sort of industrial applications. So. Uh, there are also uh, environments that are, can be dangerous for workers, you know, that need to be automated or at least uh, some telemetry to help uh, maintain safety. Worker safety is a huge uh, opportunity out there. So, yeah, I think we're kind of on a daily basis. We have customers coming to us, and that's one of the great things about Microsoft is working with all these companies, kind of have their unique problems that they're trying to solve in their industry. And uh, autonomy and AI and edge AI is really becoming a big part of that conversation. Are there limits to what you can expect from AI and are companies and managers maybe asking too much? Well, that's possible. I mean, it, we, we prefer that they think about it more broadly at first, and then you sort of get into, well, what's the ROI, you know, for this? How, how, what's going to cost to actually develop and deploy that particular solution and is it worth it? So, so sometimes we do get into a situation where there's some really kind of grandiose, exciting visions. And then it's like, oh, actually, that's going to be pretty expensive because you're going to need a lot of cameras and a lot of data bandwidth and et cetera and so forth. And maybe, maybe we should scale it down first, get this one job done, and then we can expand it to others over time. But, um, you know, I mean, what's exciting about also AI is that the amount of uh, compute horsepower and acceleration that we're seeing in silicon out there is incredible year over year. So. I suspect if you can't do that scenario this year, then maybe a year or two from now, you probably could get it done. How do you establish a transparent, ethical, secure, and compliant approach to the collection, use, and analysis of data? Yeah, that's, uh, that's an important subject. I mean, Microsoft's been involved in um, a lot of initiatives around AI ethics and called AI for Good initiative that we have. And we have a lot of policies in place around PII or personal uh, personal identifiable information and how that needs to be secured and used. So I think, uh, and also with the tech itself, you know, when you're building AI models, you have to make sure the data you're using to build those models are appropriately representative so that you're not building biased models that are ultimately inaccurate and not valuable. So there's a number of, uh, you know, I think policy and technology steps uh, that we're building into our AI infrastructure to enable people to feel, you know, more confident and secure that what is happening is going to be appropriate and accurate. Microsoft is actually a pretty old company in the world of tech. I mean, 
I can remember back when I was a young man dealing with Microsoft. How do you expect this company to keep up with the rapidly changing world of IoT and AI? It's a good question. I mean, I also, you know, as a, as a teenager, you know, was uh, involved in Microsoft products like many of us out there. And now I've been working here for about 16 years. So that's uh, quite a quite a story there. But um yeah, I think that, you know, Microsoft's always been a platform company. We provide platforms and tools to enable people to do really interesting things. Achieve more, I think, is our kind of corporate um, slogan there. But and whether that's, you know, something very simple in terms of compute or now we're saying very high performance compute with AI, it's kind of a very similar path. Right. So we keep evolving our platforms and tools and our infrastructure and our Azure data centers, um, everything there that's helping customers solve problems, you know, basically as quickly as they can to get the ROI that they need. And I think as long as we stay on that track and keep the customers sort of focused in our sites as a, a target for us to to help, then I think we'll we'll make the right decisions and make the right investments. And like I said, I don't think there's really a shortage of work to do there and problems to solve. Um, so we're pretty excited about uh, direction that the company's gone in, of course, and our, our group here is. Uh, uh, Super excited about some of the tech that we're working on as well. So you'll still be around for quite a while. That was Pete Bernard of Microsoft. Thanks very much for sharing your insights with us, Pete. Fantastic. Thank you. We Talk IoT, the smart industry podcast, is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft Azure IoT Hub. Highly secure and reliable communication between your IoT application and the devices it manages. Azure IoT Hub provides a cloud-hosted solution backend to virtually connect any device. Extend your solution from the cloud to the edge with per-device authentication, built-in device management, and scaled provisioning. IoT solution based on Microsoft IoT Hub, then Avnet IoT Connect is your perfect choice. A standardized way to harness IoT so your business can quickly build smart apps and solutions based on the Azure platform. The next generation of IoT devices is on its way. And one of the companies leading their development is Soracom, a Japanese technology innovator founded in 2014 by a team of cloud and telecommunications veterans, led by Kenta Yasukawa, who is with us today to talk about the future of IoT connectivity and the role his company can play. Kenta, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Your company recently partnered with Sony Semiconductor Israel and Kaigen, a global security leader whose CEO, Vincent Constagne, was on this podcast just a few weeks ago. You pioneered the use of integrated SIMs or iSIMs in next-generation IoT devices. Tell me more about this collaboration. Yes, sure. We ran a Kigen iSIM OS on our Sony Semiconductor's Altair. Uh, 1250 chipset and downloaded our Solacom global subscription profile on it. We successfully confirmed the joint solution works and the device got connected to our Solacom platform by using iSIM technology. The joint experiment proved that we can deliver our connectivity platform services even when our customers cannot afford space for uh, physical SIMs 
or uh, they want to uh, when they want to optimize the battery consumption to save battery. Of course, we all know what SIMs are. We have them in our smartphones, but iSIMs is something new. What are the challenges addressed by eliminating the need for physical SIMs in IoT environments? Yes, first of all, the physical SIMs, it takes place. So for wearable devices or small factor devices, even a uh, small form factor uh, eSIM can, can be too large. That's one of the feedbacks that we got from our customers. Also, a physical SIM is a chip, and chips need power. Even though it is a small amount, uh, it drains the battery when it's on. And it used to be negligible, but when it comes to small devices and small battery-powered devices, um, when they operate in a, a low-power battery mode, the that consumption is not negligible. That's another feedback we have been getting from our customers nowadays. So by having an uh, integrated SIM, we can reduce the uh, pace and also battery consumption. Also, it has benefits to streamline supply chain and bomb cost because the manufacturers do not need to order a physical SIM and integrate that into their products. Well, will we eventually get to a, the point where our smartphones are also powered with iSIMs? Yes, uh, I think the uh, uh, iSIMs or eSIMs, they are uh, definitely uh, beneficial for smartphones as well. You're on the record as stating that iSIMs will unlock a whole new wave of innovation, not only in industry, but in everyday life. Please explain. By having an integrated SIM with a Slocum profile, Device manufacturers and service providers can build connected devices without any additional integration or installation of a SIM. So the connections can be managed via our web console and API anytime with a Suracom iSIM profile. And the uh, devices don't need to have external eSIM or SIM chip. And also, since it doesn't take any physical space dedicated for a SIM, it opens up an opportunity for small form factor devices to implement a cellular connection. We believe it would accelerate the production of connected devices even further, and that makes our everyday life more connected. That's what we believe in. What about industry use? Are there specific areas of industry where you think the impact will be greatest? Yeah, especially when they need to make devices smaller and you know, small sensors need to be deployed in different devices. For example, when it comes to mobile drones or robots, they need also connectivity to uh, get con connected back to cloud. For those devices, of course, smaller form factor is more preferred. And also definitely wearable devices that require cellular connectivity. It's a great opportunity to save space by using iSIM. IoT is moving more and more towards the edge, too. And there, power can be a real problem, don't it? Yes, that's true. So the especially when uh, battery-powered devices uh, need to, you know, the battery goes on, runs out, uh, there is no connection, no data, no actuation. So uh, in order to save battery, uh, always using the uh, lowest power uh, solution is important. And when it comes to iSIM, it doesn't require its own external power to drive. When it comes to the modem is on, it needs to work, but otherwise it can also sleep together with modems. That also reduces battery. What about price? Are iSIMs more expensive than normal SIMs? So it's integrated. So it's the, uh, it depends on the modem module uh, cost. And the uh, since you, the 
the customers or manufacturers don't need to buy SIM chips or SIM card separately, it can potentially reduce the cost. And also, uh, when it comes to card type SIMs, it requires card reader, card slot uh, integrated in the device. That also uh, requires additional cost. So uh, overall, I think the cost saving will be also a benefit of using integrated SIM. One area you focus on is over-the-air or OTA subscription management. Where is this applicable and what does it mean for providers and for customers? Yeah, so that, thank you for um, raising that. Uh, the, we have customers worldwide and we have realized that no one single subscription profile can offer the best coverage or best data rate for every region or country in the world. So we have supported both the GSMS standard subscription management and our own, our own proprietary subscription container management to deliver additional subscription profiles as whenever needed by our customers. And the solution can also support integrated SIM. So what happens is the devices can travel different parts of the world. And when they need to download a new subscription profile, uh, we can push down the profile onto either physical SIMs or uh, integrated SIMs. And then uh, the, the coverage and data rate can be optimized for that region. Aren't iSIMs potentially more vulnerable than real SIMs? That's an interesting question, but the, uh, to, from my perspective, the answer is no. Uh, the, the modules that support iSIM include a secure element that implements the same level of security as physical SIMs. And Altair 1250 that uh, we used for the joint uh, collaboration, for example, it offers the security level mandated by tier one operators. And in some scenarios, uh, iSIM even has an advantage over physical SIMs because even if someone tries to steal the SIM module or SIM card from a device, they cannot remove it and reuse it in another modem. You mentioned the fact that different countries have different SIM problems. One of them is getting connected to the cellular network. That can be a real hassle. What do you recommend? Yes. So the, um, of course, you know, in different countries have different situations and in some countries you need to support multiple operators to be able to cover, to have the nationwide coverage. So, uh, we have supported multiple country, multiple operators per country so that the uh, devices can, uh, roam to an operator that has stronger signal. That is, uh, one of the important things that we learned and especially important in our IoT use cases. And again, we also have an additional profile download over the air. So as needed, our customers can request to download new profile to uh, optimize their coverage and data rate. What led you to select Sony as your technology partner? Needless to say, they have been the leading player in both consumer electronics and IoT space. And the uh, Altair 1250 is a cutting-edge cellular chipset that supports the latest cellular technologies, including iSIM and LTM and everything. And also, as just a, we we just announced that uh, we have established a strategic relationship with Sony. They are one of the six partners who have invested in Solacom, and we now collaborate to expand our platform and business, and also our partners' solutions and services uh, to the global market. That's why we started to have more collaboration with Sony Group. Traditional mobile networks aren't always the best solution for IoT, and Solacom is also engaged with Sigfox, a global low-power wide area network. How is that working out? Yeah, we have learned each IoT use case has a different requirement, and no one single connectivity option is perfect for all the scenarios. 
And because of that, we have offered various connectivity options, uh, including Sigfox, a global LP1 uh, network. Sigfox has its own limitations too, but uh, if it fits, um, it can be a very cost-effective option for connecting stationary devices. It can send data uh, periodically, and the, um, it also supports the downlink messaging as well. So one of our customers in Japan, Nichigas, they have used both Sigfox and LTM connectivity for connecting their gas meters. And since we support both options, we, we could have actually uh, achieved their hybrid solution that leverages both connectivity options simultaneously. Lately, everybody's talking about 5G. Will that really be a game changer in your business? A game changer is not the 5G network itself from my point of view, but the innovative applications and services that leverage the low, lower latency and higher bundles that 5G network has to offer. That's the game changer, as we believe. So to serve the customers and innovators who have such ideas about next generation applications and services that leverage 5G network, we have worked with KDDI and AWS to make a 5G Mac mobile edge cloud environment and make it uh, made it available for our Suracom customers and partners. We are joining forces together with them, uh, I mean, our customers and partners to build game-changing applications and services on top of 5G network. That was Kenta Yasukawa of Soracom sharing his thoughts about the future of IoT connectivity. Kenta, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And now... One more thing. 5G is good for you. That is, if you were wearing a You Care 5G t-shirt developed by Accurate, a subsidiary of Milan's Proger Group, and ZTE, a leading Italian tech solution provider. The unique wearable device has no metal components, but instead uses a set of tiny polymer sensors, literally woven into the fabric, that detect, analyze, and monitor vital signals and parameters, from body heat to the composition of your sweat, as well as muscle effort, lung and heart function, and even provides wearers with a full electrocardiogram, or ECG. The data from the T-shirt is gathered by a small control unit, that records and converts them into digital format and sends them via a secure, blazing fast 5G connection to health centers and care providers, as well as to the individual wearers. 5G technology is an innovation that will change quality of home and remote medical assistance for millions suffering from health problems and chronic diseases, said Francesco Rocco, chairman of the Italian Red Cross. Certified as a medical device by the Italian authorities, Smart T-Shirt uses predictive algorithms developed by BSE Medical, one of the world's leaders in medical data science, to detect early signs of cardiovascular disorders, says Umberto Scambati, CEO of Prager Group, who believes that this is, quote, a truly revolutionary idea and one that will be a key to better and more healthy lifestyles. That was We Talk IoT, the Smart Industry Podcast. You can read all the latest from Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine, 
by visiting our website at www.smart-industry.net, where you'll find hundreds of feature articles about everything from smart manufacturing and cognitive computing to autonomous driving and how IoT and AI are making business smarter. There, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, Smart Industry Updates. I'm Tim Cole. See you back next month when, once again, we talk IoT.